Welcome to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone, where America's top cleaning expert shows you the ins and outs of keeping a clean home and a clean business. From expert advice to cutting-edge interviews, Debbie uses her 30 years experience to bring you the insight you need to be cleaning up. And now, here's your host, Debbie Sardone. Welcome to episode 18 of Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone, where we talk to you about cleaning up in life and in business. If you're an entrepreneur, you are in the right place, so make sure you catch us each week and share our broadcast with your friends. Today, we're talking about keeping the books in your business in shape. We're talking about financial records. And, you know, some people might think, well, that's kind of a boring topic. But if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a busy business owner, it may be a boring topic. It may be one of those things that you procrastinate on and you have this big, gigantic shoebox full of records, receipts, and all kinds of things that you need to get to later. But it can be a heavy burden and can weigh on you heavily as you try to grow your business, especially because you wear so many hats when you're an entrepreneur. So keeping your financial records in shape is just, for most of us, a necessary evil. Now, if you're one of those uh, bookworm number types people, you probably love this part of it and you don't like the parts that I love, which is the marketing and the sales and, and rolling up my sleeves and getting my hands dirty. But no matter what uh, personality type you have or work style you have, Record keeping is a necessary evil. It is just a part of the business, and it it really helps you grow your business and anticipate growth or cash flow or problems if those records are in shape. But boy, if those records are not in shape, it's it's difficult. The, the burden of not knowing weighs on you so heavily, it, it polarizes you. It makes it difficult to make decisions, especially spending decisions on marketing or investing in your infrastructure. So you've got to keep your records in good shape. And in the next segment, we will be talking with CPA and uh, accounting expert Mark Wagner, and he'll be sharing some insights with us. But first, I thought I'd just share some some practical things, uh, just being in business for so many years and having uh, five businesses that I have to manage the records on, I understand how overwhelming this can be. I do business consulting nearly every day with uh, business owners that are in the cleaning industry, and I invariably will meet a business owner who has a complete mess on their hands when it comes to their record-keeping. And oftentimes what happens, and it's not necessarily um, unique to the cleaning industry. I think this happens with many business owners. But you start your business as a technician. You start your business actually doing the work. And so every check that people write tends to be written out to you because you're the one providing the service, whether you're cleaning the house personally or you're the handyman and you're fixing something in someone's home, or you're the electrician or the plumber, when you start your business as the technician, oftentimes you start off creating bad habits that later on, it's hard to break. Or later on, you don't even realize you should have broken that habit months or years earlier. So I'll, I'll talk with a business owner who will tell me that their checking account 
is the same checking account for business as it is for personal. They write their check for their rent or their house payment out of the same checking account that they're writing payroll checks to employees. So mixing personal with business, actually, I don't even think people start out intending to mix personal with business. It just is all business, it's all personal, and it's all mixed in in the beginning, and then it it doesn't get separated later on. And that's a mistake, because you can never know where you stand financially if your records are mixed in with personal. I'll ask a business owner on one of our first consults, so what do you pay yourself? And a lot of times those business owners will say, oh, I don't even take a paycheck. But then when we dig down, I will help them see that they are taking a paycheck. They're just mixing personal in with business. They'll they'll t- tell me that they uh, write a check out of their business checking account for their car payment and their house payment and their groceries and shoes for their kids. And I have to explain to them, that's a paycheck. Those are things that normally a business would not pay you for if you were an employee. And so not having two separate accounts when you own a business is a huge mistake. Just start out on the right foot. Even if you're a one-person operation, even if you're the only one performing services, don't have people write you personally a check. You can open up an LLC. You can start an S corporation, a C corporation, but separate your business from your personal life. And in our next segment, we'll hear a little bit more about how to do that from our expert guest, Mark Wagner. But number one, bottom line, separate those financials from personal and business. And then the other mistake that business owners make is they don't have an accounting system in place. I am all about following systems and processes. No matter how sophisticated or simple they can be, just have a process to follow. I mean, even if your process is to regularly throw receipts into a shoebox and make sure they're separated from everything else, all your other scrap notes and paperwork and piles of of papers that land on your desk, even if you have a, a giant manila envelope that you put every business receipt in for your business and then you hand that envelope once a month or once a week to a CPA or a bookkeeper, have a system in place. If you just wing it, you won't have a system. You won't pay yourself back for legitimate business expenses that you can write off and that you have no need of paying income tax on when you purchased. For example, if you are on the weekend shopping and you pick up some office supplies and it just goes on your grocery receipt, Oftentimes, business owners, without some kind of a system in place to manage things like that, will never reimburse themselves for that personal expense. And there's a write-off that you uh, didn't take. And so just create simple systems that you can follow. You might need to put an envelope in your purse or in your car that's specific for receipts for the business. And then circle anything that you should be reimbursed for on that receipt and uh, stick it in the envelope and get reimbursed later from the company and get your tax write-off. I can't tell you how many business owners I've talked to during my consults that had thousands and thousands of dollars in uh, payables, or I'm sorry, receivables. Customers, they had not 
invoiced customers that owed them money and the only reason why they haven't been paid was because they didn't invoice the customer they ran out of time i remember years ago i had a tree cut down in my front yard and small business owner i knew him well super nice guy very nice family did a great job didn't bill me for the work it was like a three or four hundred dollar job i contacted him probably a month later and he said, oh, thank you so much for being honest and reminding me. Yes, I'll send you an invoice. And I would have given him a, a credit card over the phone, but he said, I don't take credit cards. So instead of making things easy on himself, he made more work for himself. Clearly, he's overworked. He's a technician in his business. And he wasn't keeping up with his accounting, was not keeping up with his record keeping. I don't think he knew I owed him money and no telling how many other customers owed him money that he wasn't aware of. What happens in businesses like that is they start looking for the customers that owe, their, themselves, owe them money to their company that they have failed to invoice when they're having a cash flow problem. Well, that's not the time to start invoicing customers and trying to figure out who owes me money, who's paid, who has not paid. And so it was a month out that I called him he said he would send me an invoice, and I said, okay, when I get it all, I'll mail you a check. And several months went by, and I completely forgot. I never got the invoice, and he never got paid. I think it was probably six months or a year later. Either he found me or I found him, and we finally made payment. But I thought, that is so common with business owners. I remember consulting with a cleaning business owner who said, I'm just really struggling with cash flow. And I said, why? And we looked at their information and they were making a healthy profit. And he said, well, I have about $15,000 out in receivables. I just haven't had time to invoice these people. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding. That's got to be one of the most important things in your business is getting paid. And the worst thing you can do is invoice people late because they move on and spend their money elsewhere. And the funds that they set aside to pay you might dry up because they've gone on and bought something else or committed to something else. And now they're turned into a slow paying customer or all of a sudden, because you are chasing them down for payment, they're remembering things they weren't satisfied about the job and they want a discount. You just, create so many problems for yourself when your records are a complete wreck and you don't know who owes you money, you don't know who you owe money to, you're paying late fees in uh, late bills and, and then of course eventually bounce checks, you'll pay NSF fees. So the bottom line is as entrepreneurs, as unfun as bookkeeping is, we have to manage our books, we have to keep them under control. We have to have a process and a system to make sure that happens. And it doesn't just happen when you crunch and do an entire weekend of catching up. You have to have a system to follow. And of course, sometimes you just need to call in some help. And that's when a good bookkeeper, or a great CPA uh, can help you. So coming up next in our next segment, we will have Mark Wagner, a local CPA, sharing advice, tips, and wisdom. Don't go away. It was early morning yesterday. I was up before the dawn. 
Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and, really and on the web at debbysardone.com. But I must be moving on. Everyone hates a dirty house, but who wants to spend Saturdays cleaning? There's the vacuuming, the dusting, the mopping floors, scrubbing the toilets, cleaning the showers, and who even has the time to clean the ceiling fans or wash the baseboards? And if the kids have a game, well, there goes the weekend. That's why I use Buckets and Bows Maid Service. I love my busy life and my clean home. We know it's not easy dealing with a loved one who drinks too much, but there's help and hope at Elanon Family Groups. For a meeting near you, call one 888 4 That's 1-888-425-2666. You're listening to RNCN, the number one source for premium talk radio. You're listening to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. Welcome back. Today, we're helping entrepreneurs navigate that dreaded task of bookkeeping. Our expert guest today is CPA Mark Wagner. Mark, thank you so much for being here in the studio. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, I I tell you what, I know when I probably called it that dreaded task for you, that's probably one of your favorite things to do is to get in there and play with numbers and financials. But most of us entrepreneurs, that's kind of a burden and a problem. We're not good at it, many of us, and we hate it and we let it pile up. So we need people like you in our world. Well, sure. I mean, I hate plumbing. That's why I don't do it. I hire plumbers. Exactly. And that's a great analogy because a lot of people hate cleaning and we love to clean. I'd rather clean a toilet than enter data into my QuickBooks and try to balance a checkbook. Then we are a match made in heaven. (laughs) Yes, we are. So I definitely want to pick your brain today because this is an area that I struggle with. And I have used CPAs and bookkeepers for many, many years in my business. In fact, Early on in my business, the very first employee I hired wasn't somebody to answer phones. I love to talk to customers. I love to do sales and and handle problems and customer complaints if there are any. The first person I hired when I was expanding my business was somebody to handle my books. I hired somebody to work in my office and crunch the numbers. And I remember telling her when she came to work for me, I said, Look, if you can just balance my checkbook within $100 every month, I will be happy. And she just laughed and said, are you kidding me? She said, I'll balance that checkbook to a penny. And I said, well, I better not catch you wasting two hours looking for a penny. (laughs) (laughs) So we had an agreement that within a few dollars, I was okay if it was off because I'm probably the one that caused the problem in the first place. But having somebody who understands the financial record keeping in a business is absolutely critical. I'm sure you've seen some messes in your day. Well, I certainly have. Um, you know, your point that having someone to to help you come up with the numbers is a good one. Uh, you know, anybody can steer a car, but if you don't realize where you're going and where you've been, then how do you know how when you're going to get there? Exactly. What's the point of having a car if you don't know what to do with it? Right. You know how to run your business. You know how to do a cleaning business, but how are you going to know if your business is being successful if you don't have some measure of that? And that's what financial statements are. Exactly. Exactly. And I bet you've seen some doozies in terms of people coming in. You know, you hear those stories about the business owner that brings a giant shoebox full of receipts. I've had that happen. Yeah. Yeah. And so you just comb through it patiently and dig it all out and make it into something that makes sense. Well, that's 
that's the only way to do it. You know, you just get it organized and, you know, sort out the receipts by category, you know, telephone bills, office expenses, electric bills. Once you've got all of your piles into categories, then you can start to add them up and put your some numbers together. You know, I remember back when I first started my business, there weren't computers and we didn't use them. So you did everything with a pencil and paper and a calculator. And you've seen the evolution, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I, I cannot imagine how many dollars uh, you know, the Rockefeller empire must have just lost because a piece of paper disappears or some number just gets misadded and the numbers are just gone. You know, you bring up a good point. How many dollars do business owners lose because a piece of paper disappeared? How many customers never got invoiced and therefore never paid their bill and the business owner doesn't even know it? I'm sure it happens probably more than most business owners realize. Uh, you know, there's it's real easy with a checkbook. You've got numbers on your checks. Uh, with all the other little pieces of paper that float around the office, there's nothing on them to tag them so that you know if one's missing. Exactly. I bet a lot of dollars get lost that way. Yeah. Well, we're thankful for people like you in our lives, and you definitely are needed. Sometimes business owners think they can't afford a bookkeeper or a CPA, and they don't even know the difference between a bookkeeper and a CPA. Can you kind of enlighten us a little bit so that the business owner knows who to call first? Well, um, they're, you know, they're kind of two sides of the same coin. Uh, you know, bookkeepers do what the name says. They keep the books. Uh, you know, enter the transactions, reconcile the bank accounts, reconcile the credit cards. Uh, you know, they go a long way in toward putting the numbers together. Then you get into, uh, you know, the CPA realm, which takes those numbers and then does something with it. Maybe you need some cash flow planning, uh, certainly some tax planning. You know, in, in those cases, you're looking for a level of expertise that a bookkeeper probably doesn't have. This is somebody with some specialized training, uh, you know, years of experience, uh, who can help you with the larger global problems rather than just you know nickels and dimes and bank reconciliations. So it's kind of the difference between strategic and tactical. Yes. The CPA is going to help you be more strategic and plan in advance, help you with your tax uh, planning, and a bookkeeper is going to be the one that is entering those daily receipts and making sure you know who has paid and who hasn't paid and and gets your taxes paid on time and so forth. Exactly. So talking a little bit about income and cash flow, a lot of times business owners will show income on their books and they'll think, man, we've made all this money, but my checkbook says I don't have any money. Help us understand that, that difference and that dilemma between income versus cash flow. Well, um, you know, first of all, the most important thing to running a small business is cash flow. Okay, if you can't pay your suppliers, if you can't pay your rent, if you can't pay your utilities, you're not in business for very long. Now, having said that, if your business is showing income on the books, but you don't have cash in the bank, the first place you need to look is for leaks in your bucket. Where are places where you are spending cash that are not being reflected in the books? Maybe it's pocket change. Maybe it's you're charging things on your credit card that aren't getting recorded in the books, but you're paying the credit card out of the company checking account. The cash leaves, but the expenses are never getting recorded. Then you also got to look at all of those non-cash transactions. You're working, 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 you're billing, billing, billing. Money's piling up in your AR. You're not collecting any cash. You don't have the cash to pay your bills, but you've got a ton of income on the books. You've billed all your customers. 
They just haven't paid you yet. Yeah, that's a serious dilemma is if you're not, you know, making sure those invoices are being paid, if you're letting that fall through the cracks, then your your books are going to look great and your checking account's going to look terrible. And that's when you start bouncing checks and you don't know why. That's correct. And, and I get it. You know, nobody likes to have to make collection calls. And small business owners especially, you know, they're out there trying to get new business. They're out there working. They may not be taking the time to stop and review who owes them money and making the phone calls and making sure that the cash comes in. Right. And, and what I've learned in business is the quicker you make that phone call, the more likely they're going to go ahead and pay and not resent it. And the more time you allow to lapse between the service provided and the payment received, all kinds of resentment builds up. And customers think of a million reasons why they don't want to do business with you anymore. It just damages the relationship when you have to chase people down for money. It can. Yep. And uh, kind of damages your checkbook, too. <laughs> Most definitely that. Yeah, I can I can many uh, remember many sleepless nights where I was worrying about meeting payroll or paying my 941 taxes and cash flow. It was like what what's going on? Why you know, we're making money but why don't we have any money in the bank? Sure. So, if you have a bookkeeper or a CPA that's managing your books, you're going to know what's going on in your business instead of always have to guess. Correct. So, let's say you're doing pretty good. What advice can you give to those people that come up at the end of the year? Many of us self-employed people do, and we owe this huge tax bill. And the first thing we always think of is, ask that CPA, what, what, how can I reduce my tax bill? What deductions can I start taking? Well, the first thing you can do is write your CPA a check for $100,000. You can take the $100,000 deduction. I will gladly pay the tax and keep the rest. I don't think so. <laughs> Well, that's, that's the, you know, I say that jokingly, that's a point that I think many people miss. I need more deductions. I need more deductions. Why are you going to go spend the dollar to get a 30 cent tax reduction? Because you lose the other 60, 70 cents, right? Remember, we have an income tax. If you are paying tax, you had income Presumably, that's cash. That's a happy place to be. That's your profit. Right. Now, I don't want to imply that you don't want to take advantage of all of the deductions that you have available to you. You want to be tax efficient. If there's something that you need to buy, go buy it. But don't go looking for things to buy to generate a deduction to save you 30 cents of tax. Got it. So if you're going to save a little bit of tax money, then think about things that you could have and should have written off that you haven't. Maybe all that gas you've used for travel that you've just put in with your own personal credit card. Think of those legitimate expenses and yes. make sure you're taking advantage of those. This goes back to cash flow. If you can get a deduction for something you've already paid for, take it. But don't spend your cash to generate a deduction for 30% of that cash. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, most small business owners have been there where they made more money in a year than they anticipated, and they come up with a big tax bill, and sometimes they're also hit with a penalty because they didn't pay enough in quarterly. And what you're really saying is it's actually a good problem because you did have a lot more profit than you anticipated. Sometimes you just use your CPA to help you manage those quarterly payments over the next year. Right. Okay, well, you've been listening to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone and our expert advice guest, 
CPA Mark Wagner. After the break, we'll hear more, so don't go away. It was an early morning yesterday. If you're enjoying this episode of Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone, give us a rating on iTunes today. You're listening to RNCN, the digital destination for premium talk radio. The Center for Animal Research and Education is a nonprofit providing a permanent home to over 50 abused and abandoned big cats in DFW. Come out for a tour and meet our amazing lions, tigers, and leopards. For more information, go to carerescuetexas.com. Who says green can't be clean? Here's a tip that many professional home cleaning services already know. You can power through the grime in less time with our 100% naturally safe speed cleaning products. Don't waste your time with the products that don't work. Our non-toxic cleaners are safer on pets and people, yet tough on dirt. If you want to clean your home in half the time, visit speedcleaning.com and sign up for our speed cleaning tip of the week. You're listening to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. We're back, segment three, and we're talking to CPA Mark Wagner about keeping your financial records in shape. Now, Mark, thanks so much for staying over for our next segment. I just love being able to pick your brain about record keeping and accounting. So thanks for staying with us. Well, thank you. So I have a question. This this comes up often in my uh, consulting business, and that is for the sole proprietorship who started out just maybe cleaning houses on their own. And, of course, every industry has people that start out as the technician, and as their business grows, they are told they should incorporate or become form an LLC. They don't know if they should be an S-Corp or a C-Corp. Could you kind of hit the highlights on the differences between LLCs, S-Corps, and C-Corps, and give us some direction on what a business owner should, which one a business owner should form. Well, first, uh, let me address that an LLC, that is a limited liability company, that is an asset protection strategy. That is not a tax strategy. There is no tax code for LLC. In the United States, we've got corporate taxes and we've got personal taxes. Personal taxes includes partnerships and S-Corps, Uh, Corporate taxes are the C-Corp, and you get to tell the IRS how you want to tax your LLC. You can tax your LLC as a C-Corp, S-Corp, partnership, or even as a what's called a disregarded entity. It means it's disregarded for its own tax return, and it goes on your 1040. Um, So for tax purposes, if that's your goal, you need to form either an S-Corp or a C-Corp, even if you're already an LLC. Well, you choose how to tax the LLC. It's not a separate entity that you form. Uh, you know, you have an LLC and you say, okay, I'm going to tax this thing as an S-Corp. Um, at this point, uh, it's important to understand that there is no magic about having any kind of entity that's going to create business deductions for you. I, I always laugh when I hear the, the legal Zoom commercials, you know, save your company thousands on taxes by forming an LLC. Business expenses are always deductible, period, full stop. Personal expenses are never deductible, period, full stop. There's nothing magical about having a corporation or an LLC that's going to convert non-deductible personal expenses into deductible business expenses. There is no 
fundamental tax difference between any of the entities. There might be some differences in the tax rates. C-Corps have a higher tax rate than S-Corps, for example, because S-Corps are taxed at the personal level. Uh, You want to be aware of those, but don't be under the impression that there's going to be some magic tax savings just because you have a particular entity type. Uh, There is one important difference uh, with regard to an S-Corp that's important to understand, and that is with regard to the owner's salary. The IRS rules, and I'm going to bore you with some technical stuff here, but the IRS rules say that compensation paid to a shareholder is considered wages. Wages is a secret word. It means Social Security and Medicare tax, okay, the dreaded FICA. Okay. Money paid to a shareholder is compensation, it's wages, to the extent that the shareholder has provided service to the corporation. That's the key. If you're working you know, 10 hours a week in your S-Corp because you've got other employees who are out selling and collecting and, and you're doing the work, and so you're just there part-time, and you've got a half a million dollar income, well, you wouldn't be paying anybody a half a million dollars to work for you 10 hours a week. So you set yourself up with a salary, 20000 40000 a year, whatever is reasonable, whatever you would reasonably have to pay someone else to do that job for you, that money is wages, Social Security, Medicare. Everything else that you take can be deemed a shareholder distribution. So let me stop you there because I'm so glad you brought this up. And this is probably one of the the great benefits of being an S-Corp. And my own company has been an S-Corp for a long time. A lot of business owners miss what you just said. As a business owner, we can pay ourselves a salary that matches the duties that we're performing. Exactly. And if the business owner's salary is far in excess of let's say maybe the wages that would have been paid to an office manager, but you're the office manager, then you can reduce your salary, pay yourself maybe 50 grand or whatever the going rate in your area would be for somebody who works 40 or 45 hours a week. Right. And then the rest, tell us what we could do with the rest of that. Like you said, instead of paying ourselves 200,000 or more a year as an waged income where FICA is paid, how do we handle the rest? Well, the rest is just, it's a shareholder distribution. It is the equivalent of a draw or a partner distribution. Um, it is an equity distribution. Now, you still pay income tax on the full amount. I want you to understand, you're only saving the Social Security and Medicare. But for individuals... But that's a big chunk of money. That's a big chunk of money, yeah. especially for companies that, that have a high income that would otherwise, you know, go all the way up to the limits, but you're not working full-time in the position in the company, you can reduce your wages, save the Social Security and Medicare, be tax efficient. And the same thing goes true with the opposite effect, because some people think that they can pay themselves, oh, well, I'll just give myself a salary of 10000 a year, but I'll take fifty dollars or $60,000 a year in distributions. But you work in that business 40, 50, 60 hours a week, and right. the IRS says, no, you can't do that either. Well, it gets back to the reasonable standard. It has to be reasonable for somebody 
in that position who has the equivalent experience, education, working the same hours with the same background and the same knowledge, you know, it it has to be a reasonable salary. Right. You can't just pick a salary based on the tax savings or or the FICA savings. It it has to be legitimate. Correct. So, and it goes both ways. You you can't pay yourself too low and then take huge distributions if that doesn't fit. But you should take advantage of the opportunity of reducing your wage if you've earned enough money to have this really great big paycheck and uh, just pay yourself what somebody else would be paid in that job and then take distributions. Exactly. I love it. So one of my clients that I was doing consulting with had no idea about this concept. And she had a CPA for years, and I was so surprised her CPA never told her this. And she was paying herself, I don't know, maybe close to $200,000 a year. And I said, well, how many hours do you work in the business? She said about 40. And I said, well, then, you know, what, what would you pay a manager to do that? And so she said probably 60 grand. And so she started paying herself 60 grand in wages and then taking the rest as distributions. And she saved a small fortune. Right. So, you know, a lot of CPAs don't take advantage of that because a lot of them think that it's maybe some kind of a red flag for the IRS. So let's talk about red flags because you always hear about that. You hear about, well, if you write off part of your house, if you office in your home and you write off part of your house, that's going to flag the red flag, uh, the IRS and flag you for an audit. Are there things that business owners can legitimately write off that also might make us more vulnerable to be selected for an IRS audit? Well, you know, let's talk about you know, the home office deduction, uh, you know, it's just like, you know, having a reasonable wage as the owner, you know, the home office deduction is a legitimate deduction. You know, there's a form for it. It's written into the law. There's nothing that would make anyone think that you're not, quote, supposed to take this deduction. It's there for a reason. It's there because business expenses are always deductible. And that is to acknowledge that some part of your home office is a business expense. So we shouldn't be afraid to write off those legitimate business expenses, even if it's a home office expense. I would never be afraid of an IRS audit for a home office deduction because I've got the tax code on my side. So probably the only red flags are created is if your house payment is 2500 a month and you only office out of one bedroom and you're writing off 2400 a month as office rent. Right. Legitimate deductions are never a red flag. What gets people into trouble is when they go outside of what is legitimate and reasonable. You know, they know where you live. They know your zip code. They know what car you drive. They know how much it costs you to live in that neighborhood. And you're only reporting $10,000 of income somebody might come take a look at that. Got it. So if if you're doing everything the way you should, if you're using a CPA and your books are clean and accurate, you don't have to worry about these things. Absolutely not. Yeah. Well, being able to sleep at night is... Uh, Always a good investment. It's a good thing when it comes to running a business. So before we run out of time, because we only have time for one more question, I wish we could ask questions for hours. Can a business write off the profit that they did not make when they make a donation to charity? No. Uh, that is explicitly referenced in IRS guidance. Um, you can only write off what you have in that item. You can only write off what you have paid for that item. Um, I could explain it to you in a debits and credits example that would make your eyes glaze over but might make sense. Uh, but the bottom line is... You can't IRS, write off you, you what you never had. You can't write off what you never had. 
You can only write off what you own, and that is your cost in that product. Got it. So if you donate something that you would normally sell for $100, but it cost you $50 to purchase it. You have a $50 donation. That's it. You don't get to write off the profit because you never had the profit in the first place. Correct. Well, I'd love to ask you more questions, but we are out of time. Thank you so much, Mark Wagner, our expert guest today, talking about all things keeping your financial records in shape. Don't go away. We will be right back. More of Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone is next on the Real News Communications Network. But I must be moving on. Everyone hates a dirty house, but who wants to spend Saturdays cleaning? There's the vacuuming, the dusting, the mopping floors, scrubbing the toilets, cleaning the showers, and who even has the time to clean the ceiling fans or wash the baseboards? And if the kids have a game, well, there goes the weekend. That's why I use Buckets and Bows Maid Service. I love my busy life and my clean home. For America's wounded warriors, coming home can be a battle in itself. The USO provides ways for all of us to support our wounded warriors. Join us. Visit USO.org to learn how you can make a difference in their lives. You're listening to RNCN, the number one source for premium talk radio. You're listening to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. Welcome back to segment four. And during the break, I was able to talk Mark Wagner, our expert guest today, a CPA in Flower Mound, Texas, into staying over for our fourth segment. I'm really glad because he has so much information to share with us. And there are a lot of questions that people have surrounding donating their time to nonprofits, donating their products and their services to to nonprofits. And they don't always know what they can legitimately write off. And I've even have had some people tell me that their CPAs gave them advice that I was pretty sure would not work or else they didn't understand what the CPA told them and they were interpreting it incorrectly. So in the last segment, we were talking about can a business write off the profit when they donate a product or a service and the profit is, is something they never received because they donated. And Mark Wagner, our CPA, was explaining that when you donate, for example, uh, maybe something you sell in your business, maybe you sell electronics and it costs you $50, you sell it for 100 If you donate that electronic, the only write-off you get is the $50. Is that correct, Mark? That is correct. So same thing with maid service because of my nonprofit, Cleaning for a Reason. We have a lot of cleaning services around the country, and they're donating their time on a regular basis to women who are battling cancer. And this question comes up a lot, and there's a lot of confusion, Um, and and mostly because we're good at running our businesses and securing uh, new customers, and, and we're great at cleaning, but we don't always understand this accounting side when it comes to what we can write off in terms of that donation. So if a maid service goes out and cleans for a cancer patient, and she would normally have maybe charged $150 for that cleaning if, if the woman had paid for it, but she's donating her time. Tell us what they can write off. Can they write off the whole $150 in services that they gave away? No. Um, let me begin by explaining a little bit. You know, the, the IRS explicitly says that you cannot take a charitable contribution for your time. If you yourself go down and volunteer at the soup kitchen when you could have been working, 
There's bad. no deduction. No deduction for that. You do not get a deduction for your time or for your lost wages. Okay. Now, in, in the case of a maid service, if you are sending an employee out to clean someone's house and you're paying that employee for which you are not getting paid, your deduction is limited to what you're actually paying the employee. This My out-of-pocket costs. That is correct. Now, it's also important to understand that if you take it as a charitable contribution, you're just trading one deduction for another. You're already getting a payroll deduction, and if you take it as a charitable contribution, you're going to take it out of payroll expense, and it's going to go into charitable contribution expense. You're so it's o- the same thing. It's the same thing. In other words, if I paid her $75, including all of the taxes, the payroll taxes, my write-off is $75 for that $150 cleaning that I donated. That is correct. Whether and I put it on my books as a donation, and I call it a donation, or it's just found under payroll expenses. Correct. You spent $75, and so the only deduction you're ever going to get is $75. You can take it over here on the salary line, or you can take it over here on the charitable contribution line, but you're only going to get the $75. Now, is there a business reason for showing it differently on our books so that in our financial statements we show record of this much donated cleanings, this this many donated cleanings. Is there a, a reason why you might want to show it as a charitable donation instead of a payroll expense? Well, sure there are. There are no tax reasons. It's a deduction is a deduction is a deduction. It's not going to make any difference. But if you want to track it so that you know what your charitable spending is for the year, that's a valid reason. If you want to be able to look at the number and just feel good about yourself, that's a valid reason too. But those are not tax reasons. Excellent. So understanding the difference, there are tax reasons and then there's just some practical reasons. And of course, most of us want to track our charitable donations so that in our marketing and in our relationships with the business community and our relationships with consumers, we're able to accurately state we gave away, you know, $5,000 in free cleanings last year or $30,000 in free cleanings over the last few years. It's just a practical reason. Right. Not a tax reason. And those are great reasons, but they're not going to make any difference at all on your taxes. So tell us a little bit about those in-kind donations. So if I am maybe a CPA and I do the books for free to someone in need, none of my time is, is, it, is able to be written off or anything that I did personally as the business owner? Uh, correct. I have uh, a couple of nonprofits that I do their annual 990s for them, and my time is not a deduction for me. I get zero tax benefit for doing those. Now, if I am out of pocket any expenses, like if I pay a filing fee on their behalf or you know whatever, that would be a deduction for me, but that's a business deduction anyway. Right. But my time that I spend is just... We my, cannot write off our time, right. period. That's just my generosity. We can only write off our expenses, and expenses always show up in a checkbook. Yes. It's it's money that went out the door. Correct. It's not time. Correct. Thanks for clearing that up because a lot of people are confused about it. I had a man Oh, I hear it all the time. Yeah, I had a gentleman tell me several years ago he was adamant. In fact, he he quoted his CPA and he said, "Debbie, all the cleaning products that you guys donate, you get to write off the entire 
amount of those cleaning products. And I, I kept thinking, I, I, I don't think so. I think all I can write off is the cost for us to manufacture those cleaning products or maybe the shipping to mail those cleaning products, but I don't get to write off the profit that I never received. Right, you have nothing. To, to write off the profit, you would have to record it as a sale. So now I've got AR. Ah, well now I have created an asset. It's called accounts receivable. Well now I can write off that asset. But in the example you were using where where you buy something for $50 and you sell it for 100 well, when you record the sale, you're now recording $50 of income. And so then you're going to get the full $100 deduction for writing off the AR. So it goes back down to all you get to write off is your cost. What you spent. That's you correct. never get to write off your profits. So That's from correct. services to time you personally donate as an owner to products that you sell. If you donate it, you never get to write off anything but your out-of-pocket expense. That's correct. Good advice, and thank you for clearing that up, because what you don't want to happen is to have all these incorrect things that you've somehow put into your books as a write-off, and then later on you owe money and, and you didn't even realize it, or, or you know, income tax or whatever. It could happen. Yeah. And nobody wants to discover by accident, especially during an audit, that they have all kinds of things that they could not deduct or they couldn't write off. Oh, that's, that's a bad time. That's a to, bad time. To figure that out. So let's shift a little bit to what I'm sure you have uncovered in your business in all the years that you've been uh, you know, handling people's financials. What are some of the things that maybe business owners wouldn't even think of, but a CPA discovers in people's businesses that you can alert us to? Well, you know, the, the main thing, the, the main thing, the thing that I have seen cost people the most money is not putting things in writing, not having a contract, not having a partnership agreement, not having an operating agreement. I've seen people that, that they'll join up and partner with people and they'll put hundreds of thousand dollars into a business. And then the guy they're partnering with goes through a messy divorce and there's no provision for uh, an, an exit strategy you know is he going to be you know now in partnership with the ex-wife who gets custody of the building the business so to speak um, you know hundreds of thousands of dollars that are put at risk simply because there was never a contract in place with how those kinds of eventualities were going to be dealt with wow you know, that is something a CPA is going to catch that maybe nobody else would notice because a lot of us, our businesses just sort of grew and evolved. And, you know, there's those handshake agreements and verbal agreements. Especially and then, with you entrepreneurs. Uh, absolutely, because we don't pay attention enough to those little details. And CPAs are all about the details. Well, yes, sadly. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what you eat, sleep, live, and breathe is details. And we are grateful for that. You've been listening to Mark Wagner, our CPA expert, in the studio with us today. And you've also been listening to Debbie Sardone, your host of Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. Stay here. We'll see you next time for more. <laughs>